Hi folks, Jack Spierko here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. <laughs> Commercial free versions of past episodes. Podcast blasts from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. And today, folks, we are rewinding back all the way to episode 69 of the Survival Podcast, originally published October the 8th, 2008. Today is uh, Monday, um, and it is Monday of the week of the Survival Podcast Fall Workshop, which is why you're getting a Rewind show. So <clears throat> I'm actually recording this on Friday uh, the previous week. I'm trying to get a bunch of stuff done, so I have all next week to get ready for people to be here. But uh, we'll have rewinds through the week. I, I still haven't determined yet, based on my workload, if I'm going to have an expert counsel show you on, for you on Friday. But we'll have rewinds um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for sure. And the first two are going way back to the first year. This one, episode 69. This was getting your spouse on board with survival planning. Uh, this was very early in the survival podcast journey. How early? You'll hear me, I cut off kind of the front part of this show so it kind of gets right into the meat of it, but I wanted to leave a little bit of kind of the housekeeping as we called it back then uh, because of something interesting that occurred right before this episode. The Survival Podcast had just crossed the threshold to, woohoo, 1,000 listeners, 1,000 listeners, and You know, today, having on a daily spread at that 150,000, 160,000, some days 170,000 downloads, depending on just how popular the show is for that day, it, it might seem insignificant. But this was actually when I knew that this show was going to turn into something special. When I'd gotten to the point where people were asking me for something like the content of this show, how do I get my wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other on board with this? Like, that's, that's a, a serious question. Like, you actually have to trust somebody. And we had hit a thousand listeners. And in the, this first year, I had made a promise that I would give away an iPod. An iPod. Yes, an iPod. That's how long ago it was. If we had a thousand listeners in the first year. And, uh, this was the uh, beginning of October. And we actually ended this year at about 2,200 listeners. We doubled the audience over the next two and a half months with, you, you know, you guys' help. And a lot of you guys are listening today. You're like, I remember when he did this show. I've been around that long. And yeah, some of you had, we had, we had really just kind of set up a forum for a few weeks and we had, you know, uh, hundreds of forum members and thousands of posts already. Uh, this is really the beginning of the survival podcast, kind of making that turn. And saying, yeah, we're going to be here for a decade or longer. And at this point, we know it'll be longer. And uh, so it's, it's kind of a cool point in the, the, the show's development. It was a point that I knew that I was going to be able to, to really make a go of things with it. And it wasn't that long into the future, uh, a little over a year, in fact, before I got on the air and said, thank you. This is my first episode of the Survival Podcast permanently from a home studio and I am done with working for someone else or even in my case owning a company having people work for me um, so it was that turning of the corner and I, I think it's a cool thing to go back to while I have so many of you guys here at my home 
uh, almost 10 years later. The other thing to think about with this episode is how it it's not like a lot of episodes. Like there's episodes where I'm recommending a certain product or thing, and there's better ways to do things now. Or I'm talking about something that was going on politically or economically at the time. And it might be interesting to go back and listen to historically, but we're really in a different place. There's a group of rules that I use here, 21 rules to getting your house on board, your spouse on board with, with preparedness and modern survival planning. And I'm just going to read the list, and then you can listen to the episode, and I'll go through it. But none of these have changed. Number one, demand or insist upon nothing. Number two, ask for help where you are weak and your partner is strong. Three, demonstrate a command of the facts and threats. Don't alarm, but inform. Number four, arrive at all decisions as a team, at least if, it's, if it is in any way possible. Five, Don't put your pet items at the top of any proposed proposed priority. Six, explain that this is for the good of the family. Seven, focus on saving money and the elimination of debt is step one. Eight, explain the investment value of food and saving money. Leave bullets and band-aids for later. Nine, Talk about a better lifestyle for less cost and why you want that for both of you. Ten, discuss the future and not waiting until you're 65 to 80 to spend time together. Eleven, do not get overexcited. Don't dump too much at one time. Start with a simple vision and a few small steps. Number twelve, make a discussion about us, not you, not them, but truly both of us. 13. Don't expect a perfect result and, and a totally on-board agreement. 14. Do have a single, simple, small step to suggest and ask, can we do this together? 15. Try to get your spouse to suggest a second small step and embrace it and do it with them. 16. Work on creating a common vision of a truly happy and sustainable life. 17. Don't focus on what you don't mean. Camo, militia, communes, etc. Just answer concerns if they're offered. 18. Be positive about what your future. Compare prepping to life insurance. 19. Ask, what would we do if? And listen to the answers you get and then discuss them. 20. Talk a little, get them talking, and listen as if your life depended on hearing every word, because it does. 21. Share my show with them along with this particular podcast. I, over the years, have gotten so much positive feedback over this show. It's in the list for, for new listeners, of shows for new listeners. Um... There wasn't even, you know, there's only a thousand people listening at the time. I got ten comments. That means one percent of the entire audience commented on it. Um, but over the years, people said, like, do you have a show for this? I think, here, listen, I get emails back. Oh, man, this is great. So, uh, I think it's just as valuable as it was. As always, when we go back this far, we're going back to me in the car. This is me and my Jetta Diesel TDI at speeds between five and 95 miles an hour on a 55 mile journey. 
between uh, Arlington and uh, Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Uh, the audio is kind of tinny, and I think it'll be like if you've never heard of Rewind, where we've gone back this far, you'll be surprised at how far the show has come, just from an audio quality standpoint. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you enjoy this week of Rewinds. Tomorrow we have another one, not quite this old, but pretty old, and we'll keep moving a little bit forward as we go forward. Anyway, hope you enjoy this show, and uh, I'll be back with you, uh, you know, with regularly scheduled programming uh, next week, possibly Friday. We will see. Now, before I go on today's show, I have to announce something I'm really proud of. Uh, I just saw yesterday that our feed burger stats went over 1,000 listeners. A couple of people commented on it, congratulating me. Thank you for congratulating me. What that means is somebody has won the iPod or $149 worth of silver out of the listener appreciation contest for helping me share the word about our show. All right. So I will run uh, some spreadsheet things and some random things today and pick one person, announce it on tomorrow's show. I'll send them an email. I will give them till close of business Monday to claim their prize. If nobody claims it by close of business Monday, I will announce a second winner who we will give the prize to. Uh, that's the rules. I make the rules, and I'll change the rules to suit uh, the situation as it is. I know some people that entered the contest just by looking at certain emails are fake emails. So if you've done that, you've hurt yourself, you could win and then not actually get your prize. So if you haven't entered the listener appreciation contest yet, you can still do so. I'll be running a second contest starting uh, in a few days when I figure out exactly what it is I want to do for round two of the contest. Uh, but somebody that's that entered, and I, I'm cutting the entry off as of yesterday uh, for this draw, uh, will win uh, the iPod or the silver. And uh, that's really cool, and thank you so much for helping me get there. So on with the show. How, how do you get a spouse that's looking at these things you want to do and going, I, I don't know, Bill, or I don't know uh, 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 Sally, because I've gotten almost as many emails from women telling me that they're having a hard time getting their men on board with this as I've gotten from men telling me they're having a hard time getting their women on board with this. Usually the priorities of both sides are different, but the struggle to get the uninterested interested, to get the unaware aware, is equal. So don't feel, un, you know, like uh, men don't feel like you are unequally burdened with this. You'd be surprised how many women uh, have emailed me and said, hey, I'm trying to get my husband on board with this. So hopefully this will help either side. I think this formula will work for you on either side. Again, if you were asked to listen to today's show, please do so with an open mind. Again, the person that asked you to listen to this loves you and cares about you and is concerned to make sure that you survive not just as individuals but as a family. All right, because there's threats out there to the family that we'll get into today. And because they care, because they love you, they're asking you to take a look at something and see how the two of you together can build a better life for yourselves. If you love them back, it's not a lot to ask in 40 minutes of your time to listen to that and to understand how important it is and how great the rewards can be. All right? So the first rule when you go to talk to your spouse, and I bet a lot of these rules can apply to other things, folks. Number one, demand or insist upon nothing. If you go to your spouse and say it's absolutely imperative that right now we go out and we buy X, Y, and Z, we must immediately stop paying for uh, A, B, and C. We're going to cut those things out. We're not going to have them in our lives anymore. That's what we're going to do. I've decided it. Your spouse will put you know, a, a blockade between the two of you, tell you to go, screw yourself, and walk away. And that's exactly what you'll deserve. When you go to your spouse with something that's going to change your life, even a little bit, you go with humility, you go with respect, 
And you go with the heart of a servant. As your spouse, I believe this is important. I'm bringing it to your attention, and I want to talk to you about how we can make a difference before this impacts us in a negative way. Can we please talk about that? That's an opener. You use your own words for it. But you understand what I'm saying there. It has to be with the heart of a servant. Your job as a husband is to serve your wife. You serve as her protector. You serve as the shoulder she cries on. You serve as the man that loves and defends and protects and provides for her. Your job as a wife is to serve your husband. All right? In the same types of ways. All right? Defense often is different for a man and a woman. But they're both equally important. Both partners are servants to each other. A marriage built on anything else is a mistake. You must serve each other. The person that you love, you should, you should be willing to lay down your life for. That's beyond servitude. So be there with the heart of a servant when you bring a life-changing event into a discussion. And that's for both of you. All right? Number two, ask for help where you're the weakest. All right? And your partner is strong. In my particular relationship, my wife is great at organization. She can put things together, file things, figure out what to do next, set priorities, all that good stuff. I'm good at doing stuff. I'm good at gathering information. I'm good at recognizing the threat. I have awful, awful organizational skills. So I've asked Dorothy to start figuring out how we can organize my haphazard, you know, shotgun approach and make it more of a specific, we're going to do this, then we're going to do that, then we're going to do this, this is how far we've come, this is what we need to do, bringing that organizational side to it. And most often, that's kind of the dynamic you've got. You've got kind of a nerd, and you've got kind of an eccentric. Those two parties kind of attract each other. It's a great match as long as you harness each other's strength. She's not going to spend the time researching, uh, digging in, finding information, learning what to do next that I will. But she'll know how to put that into a plan. So that's how we work together. Figure out how to do that together. Make your partner a partner in this. Okay. But if you try to do everything on your own, they're going to feel like you know you, that what you're doing is all about you, not about them, and not about the family, and not about the kids. All right? You have to involve them. That's the best way to do it. Identify your strengths and weaknesses and ask for help where you're weak. That will show humility. All right? That will get by it. All right? The next thing you need to do is demonstrate a command of the facts uh, about the threats that are out there, the things that can be a real threat to you right now. Talk about the economy and why it's weak. If you have to, listen again to my show on the M3 Money Supply. Explain how the Fed is just pumping money into the situation now and how the value of your dollars is just dropping 10 15% a year right now. The value of the dollar is going down. Explain how the Federal Reserve isn't part of the United States government at all. All right? Private organizations just pumping money into the economy. They print money at will. They take money out of the economy at will. Explain what I explained yesterday about a monopoly game and giving the banker the power. The banker in a monopoly game, give, the power of him, give him the power to issue more money to whoever he chooses, including himself, or to take money out of the game whenever he chooses, and how that would result in a completely lopsided situation. And it would create a situation where creating a recession would be advantageous to the banker. All right? That will make it clear why we're going through these things. It will make you sound informed. Talk about the pandemic flu threat. It's a huge threat right now. The, the, the next flu pandemic is not if, it's when. And, and how that if, if, you, if you lost a family member, how devastating that would be. And the things that need to be done to prepare for that. None of them are radical or crazy. 
None of them involve, you know, running out and digging a foxhole in the middle of the national forest in camouflage clothing uh, and everybody having an M16 and living in a hole in the ground. You know, that's not what you're talking about. Don't even mention that stuff. We'll get into why you don't mention that in a little bit. All right. But don't alarm. Don't be alarmist. Don't be like, oh, we don't do this. It's going to happen. That's, that's craziness. If you're thinking that way from other shows, you should know. I think you're not grounded, all right? You're not being logical. You're not doing the right things. You have to keep a cool, clear head, all right? Right now, the situation is pretty calm. There are plenty of things that you can begin to do to prepare to have a better lifestyle. Remember, this is about a better lifestyle if disaster comes or even if it doesn't, right? So think about it that way calmly explain that this is about having a better future. All right. The next thing you need to do is try to arrive at all decisions as a team. Wherever you possibly can, if it's going to be, you know, exactly how do we go about uh, buying new foods, uh, buying additional foods, trying new things that will store well and seeing if we enjoy them. Once we enjoy them, how, okay, now they're part of our, our storage, you know, plan. All right. How we're going to figure out how to eliminate debt. What bill we're going to cut. We're going to decide together what bill to cut. All right? Because if you decide alone, you're going to cut the thing that's most important to her and least important to you. All right? If she decides alone, she's going to cut the thing that's most important to her or most important to you and least important to her. If you decide together, you'll find some common ground. Or maybe you'll both go, well, I can give that up if you give that up. And you cut two, and that's even better. But do these things as a team. When you do things as a team, you get buy-in. You get cooperation. You get participation. And when good things start to occur because of it, then your spouse, not just you, have ownership of it. When you have ownership of something that's positive, it makes you motivated to do more. So it's very important that you take the entire approach of being a team. And you really focus on that teamwork. So arrive at all decisions as a team if you possibly can. Discuss with her that that's the way you want to do that, or with him that that's the way you want to do that. Uh, do not, do not, do not put your pet things at the top of a priority list. For a lot of guys, it's camping gear, guns, ammo, combat pistol training, rucksacks, tactical gear. Guys like that stuff. I like that stuff. It's cool. All right, But it's not the most important thing to your survival. The most important thing to your survival is being able to put food on your table and keep a roof over your head. So the things that address that should be at the top of the priority list. If you go to your spouse and say, honey, I think we need to do all this, you get her like involved, and you say, but what I need to do first is go out and spend $1,400 on a slicked-up Colt Commander 45. You're done, and you should be done, because you're a knucklehead. right? That's just the way it is. And I'm angling that one at guys because I think guys are the ones that are more guilty of it. Sometimes women are, but really, especially in this situation, that's what guys do. So don't do that. Think logical and remember the order of the survival threat matrix that we teach here. The threat, most likely threats start with the individual, a threat to your individual survival. Just try it to work, all right? Then the next threat is to your family. The next level of threat is to your neighborhood. All right. The next level of threat is to your region. The next level of threat is to your state. Then the national threat, then the global threat. So you start with defending yourself, protecting yourself, and ensuring yourself and your family. All right. Those are the most likely. So those go at the top of the priority list. And okay. So the next big item on the list is explaining that what you're doing is for the good of your family. All right. This is not about. Um, you know, playing war games. This is about the survival of your individual family. 
if you think about there there's two things that cause a tremendous number of divorces. And once the divorce happens, the family's no longer together. The family has failed to survive, even if the individuals have made it. One is the death of a child. The biggest threat that we might see in the future to your children is a pandemic flu. Again, a pandemic flu is not a if it happens, it's a when it happens. And if you're not prepared for that situation, it may be that when it comes around that the young people are the weakest. If you lose a child, the divorce rate after the death of a child is extreme. The other major cause of divorce is debt. And a big part of modern survivalism is the elimination and refusal to go into consumer debt. It is cancer. It destroys. It must be killed. It must be eliminated. You must take radical measures to get rid of your debt. That's a fundamental. Debt and financial troubles is the leading cause of divorces today. Being overburdened with debt destroys more marriages than anything else. Even when it's something like infidelity, a lot of times it's the stress of debt that pushes a wedge between partners that opens the door to these other things. All right. If you look at the divorce rate before 1950, before you know both spouses worked and everybody had a Mastercard, they were a lot lower. It wasn't just because people thought differently; it's because there was a less of a threat out there. So it's important to explain that your concern here is not just for yourself; it's for your family, for your the survival of your family, and for a better life for your family. Right? That's really important. Uh, focus on saving money and elimination of debt. I mean, that's the next one. It goes hand in hand with this one. Um, it's really hard for you to come to your spouse and say, look, honey, I think that we need to uh, figure out how we can make a little more money if possible. Uh, I think we need to figure out what, it, what of these bills we can cut back on. Uh, I think we need to figure out how we can do more with less. And I think we either need to be throwing money into a savings account or we need to be paying down our debts with it. I think we need to decrease our 401K contributions. The market's in turmoil anyway. And that money either needs to go cash on the barrel to a safe investment or even just straight up cash in a box somewhere. Or what we need to be doing with it is paying down debt with it. And I want you to help me figure out the best way to do that. It's really hard to go to your spouse and say that and have them say, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to keep blowing money that we don't have. It's very unlikely to be the result. If you get that result, you really need to look at it together and say, why do you feel that way? Right, and I'm not marriage counseling here, but you got a real problem if if you have a spouse that wants to just keep blowing money you don't have. You really do. That doesn't mean you start living like a pauper. All right, you explain that too. I don't want to cut anything to the bone either, but I want to figure out where we can do it a little at a time and see do we really need that. If we don't really need that, what else can we do? And when we we cut something and we feel like we can't live without it, we can always bring it back. We can do without anything for one month. All right, so let's be willing to put anything on the chopping block, at least as an option and be willing to try it out and see what we think after we do it. Um, I think that's that's a real important thing to do. Uh, the next thing you really need to do is explain the investment value of storing food. Um, one of the fundamentals here is making sure that you have enough food to eat no matter what happens. You know, if there's a pandemic, you could end up under a 90 or 180 day or longer quarantine. That's the reality. If there's a true flu pandemic, that is the only thing that the government can do to control the situation, uh, especially until there's vaccines. Now, how the hell are you going to stay in your home for three months straight if you only have two weeks' worth of food in the house? So that's one side of the investment value. But explain the logical investment value of food as well. Understand this, that when you are in a situation 
where you take and you buy food today that you'll actually eat that you would buy anyway, but you buy more of it, and it stores well, and you organize it and store it in your pantry. When you're eating it six months later, right now, food is appreciating at an insane rate. It's going up in price 10 to 15% a year. All right? So it's a 10% to 15% return on your money to buy food today that you'll eat tomorrow. All right? Nothing out there that's safe that you would put your money into anyway will give you a 10 to 15% return right now other than food. Real estate, please. The stock market, please. Uh, savings account, please. The best I can find is ING at 4%. All right. It doesn't even beat it. It certainly doesn't beat the inflation rate of food. So explain the investment value of food. That'll make your spouse more open because it's a logical explanation as to why it makes sense to do this, even if disaster doesn't come. Again, we're not buying cases of MREs or 25-pound bags of beans and rice. What we're talking about is good, solid things that we can make part of our dietary structure that we eat all the time. We eat out less. We eat in more. And these are the things that we consume, and these are the things out of those that store well. So we're going to buy extra, just one or two extra items a week, and we're going to slowly compound things in our favor instead of letting credit cards compound interest against us. So you get lifestyle compounding in your favor versus the compounding cancer of interest rates on debt. That's what this is all about is making that shift here. All right? The next thing that you really need to do is talk about a better lifestyle for less cost and why you want that for both of you. Talk about how it was maybe in the beginning when you didn't have a lot, but you spent more time together, and how you want to figure out how to not do without as much as you did back then, but to not work as hard as you do today and be able to spend more time together, that you love them, that it's important to you to be together, that right now, you know, you work eight hours a day, but you drive two, so you're ten hours a day out of the house. You guys sleep eight hours at night, it leaves about six hours a day to be together, and that's not enough for you anymore. Do you want to be with them more? Right? That's, that's, that's a winning message. That gets through. And if you've listened to my show long enough, you know that you can create a lifestyle for yourself that will give you that. And that's important. And that's important for them to understand. You know, talk about the future and not waiting until you're 65 to 85 years old to really spend time together. I mean, that's what most people think. Well, when we're old and we're retired, then we'll have time to, you know, buy a motorhome and drive around the country or something like that, right? Well, the problem with that is a lot of people don't live to 65. Accidents happen. Cancers happen. Other diseases and sicknesses happen. Vermin, murder. We don't, life is precious. We don't know how how long we're going to be there. And I'm sorry, but for me, 65 is too late to wait. 69 is way too late to wait. And 73, I, I can't even think about that. The price is too high that way. I, for my own sake, have to create a sustainable lifestyle today. With a five-year plan so that in less than five years, because we're in the middle of our plan, my wife and I will be able to live in a place that costs us very little to live in. It will provide 50% of what we use and we will be able to spend the majority of our time together instead of apart. Explain that that's what you want. That's a winning message again. That's something that will reach the person and get them willing to take those first steps together. Um, don't get too excited and don't dump too much information at one time. All right. If you try to explain all the threats that are out there, everything that you've learned, everything that you've found out, everything that's, that's going on in the world, it will be too much. It will be information overload, and you'll, you'll lose your partner. 
And uh, that's justice, man, because you, you wouldn't take it either. If, if you were not the one that was doing all this research and learning all these things and putting together these plans, and your partner was the one that came to you and tried to dump, you know, 50 minutes of information on you uh, in, in rapid-fire succession, they would lose you too. So don't put them, you know, do on to others. It's as simple as that, right? I mean, that's a golden rule. So treat your spouse the way you'd want to be treated if she was bringing a major suggestion about your lifestyle to you. You'd want her to be gentle. You'd want him to be gentle. You'd want them to explain exactly why and how. You'd want them to do it slowly, and they'd want, you'd want them to involve you in the process. You'd want to feel like your opinion mattered, all right? So treat them the same way. Always make the discussion about us, rule number 12. It's never about you. It's never about them. It's always about us. Here's why. If you make the discussion about you, you will sound selfish because you're being selfish. If you make the discussion about them, you will be blaming them for the lack of where you're at today. You will be making it what they will be hearing, even if it's not what you're saying, is if you weren't here, if I was doing on this on my own, we would already have more money, we would already have less debt, we would already have a better lifestyle. You're the roadblock if you make it about them. If you make it about us, now you're being honest. The two of you have made the decisions you've made in life together. Whether you're looking at $500 of debt or $500,000 of debt, you've got there together, you're going to get out together. All right. Whether you have five days of food on the shelf or 50 days of food on the shelf, you got there together. You're going to increase it together, not alone. So never use you. Never use me. Use us at every opportunity. All right. That's the most important. When you're talking about vision and where you're going, talk about us. That'll go a long way. Thirteen. Most important rule I probably hear. Don't expect a perfect result. And you're going to get them totally on board with your first conversation. If you expect that, your expectations will not be met. You're going to feel like you failed. And instead of realizing, hey, you know, we're going to do this one little thing together, you're going to be like, man, she didn't really listen to me. Man, he didn't really listen to me. No, no, no. Expect very small results. And you'll probably be surprised at how good it goes. And once you get started, and again, you experience some level of accomplishment together, it'll get easier to continue. It'll get easier to keep it going, all right? So, again, just don't expect a perfect result the first time. You'll get all excited. You'll be already planning in your head what you're going to do. You'll, you'll have done a lot of the things you should do together alone. And because of that, you're going to be feel very emotionally uh, discharged and drained when it doesn't go the way that you had planned in the little fantasy in your mind. So don't set your expectations too high for the first conversation. Um, when you do go, though, do have one single small step that you can do. Pick out one thing that's a very reasonable thing for you guys to be able to do as a first step and ask if you can do, take that step together. If you do that, it, it gives you an action item, a bartering ship, someplace to start. Make it as small as possible. Make it something that's difficult to say no to. And when you present it, present it in a way that makes it easy for her to say no. Or easy for him to say no, depending on who you're talking to. Okay? So what I mean by that is you'll say, we really need to do at least this. Because then it's like you're pressuring. Right? You say, my idea was we could start out with this. What do you think about that? That makes it easy to say no. Which makes it very likely to get a, a yes. You know, of all these things, that's one that really is a sales technique. 
But hey, folks, it's a way to get your partner engaged with you in things that are important. Remember, this is not about selling somebody something. This is about enlightening somebody to real threats that are out there and to another way of living that's just better for you and for them. A way to live that says, I will not be owned by the lending institutions. I will not be owned by the bank. I will create independence, freedom, and liberty for my family. I will not enter the slavery that most people live their lives in. All right? So it's not about selling, but it is about getting a person willing to take a look. Um, another one, though, is you know Rule 15. Try to get your spouse to suggest a second step. All right? What is one thing that you think we can do that's important to you? And almost, if it's not, I think we should all go up on the roof and jump off. I think we should all eat cyanide tablets, right? If it's not something like that, no matter what it is, do it. So you know what? I think it's a great idea. Let's do that, too. All right? You've asked them to get on board with you. You've asked them to provide something for you to do. Even if you're not totally on board with that really being a priority right now, do it anyway, as long as it's a small step. If you ask for a small step, you'll get a small step. So it'll be something you can do. So do it. Um, the next thing you really need to do is work on creating a common vision of a sustainable lifestyle. I talked to you in another show about sitting down and writing. What would your perfect life really be like? It probably won't involve Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Maseratis. It probably won't involve root room service every night. It probably won't involve spending every day on an aircraft. It will probably be a simple, happy, sustainable home, a place where you can live close to the land. Right? Most people that are into this, that's... That's the way they think because it's a natural way for a human being to be. We were placed here on this planet. We're a part of the ecosystems around us. It does not mean you have to be a nature freak living on alfalfa sprouts. It simply means that you're not afraid to occasionally get a little bit of dirt under your hand or a little bit of sweat on your brow. All right? And it probably means that what you would say is I'd want a home big enough for my family to live in. I, this is what I don't like about where we live now. This is what I'd like to change. This is how much this is going to cost us. This is how we can get there. This is our vision. This is our roadmap. And we have five years to get there. We have ten years to get there. Don't make your plan longer than ten years. It's too long. Life's too precious. If you can do it in five, do it in five. If you can do it in one, do it in one. Challenge yourself to see how short you can write the roadmap to get there. Like I said before, when you have to get somebody to the hospital because they're dying, you always get to the hospital. Because you don't worry about anything else. You just go to the hospital. Well, if you don't worry about anything else except getting to your vision, you'll get there. But the vision has to be a common vision shared by both of you. So sit down and have discussions. Grow closer as a couple. Grow closer as a family. And define that vision that you both really believe in. And then start heading towards it. All right? The next thing I want to say is don't focus on what you don't mean. Don't constantly be saying, honey, I'm not talking about dressing up in camo and going out in the woods. Because then you're going to focus on that, right? I might talk about that here just to be clear with you. But if you just focus on what you really want rather than what you don't mean, that's where the majority of the focus will go. If she brings that up, are you talking about, you know, like being Dan Aykroyd and the survivors and going out in the woods? No. No. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about eliminating our debt. I'm talking about having some extra food on hand. I'm talking about having good first aid knowledge and having medical equipment in the home so we can take care of each other if something bad happens. I'm talking about knowing how to defend our home from invasion. I'm talking about finding a better place to live eventually for many people where we can live for less and have more. This is what I'm talking about. All right? There is a certain tactical side of survivalism. It's one component. It's a small thread. It's not my priority right now. My priority is to get these other things in place first. So if I lose my job or you lose your job, we don't lose our home. All right? That's a conversation to have when those things are brought up. 
When they're not brought up, leave them alone. Don't talk about what you don't mean. You won't create a problem for yourself that you do not need to have. All right? The next thing you need to do is be positive about the future for your family. Uh, compare prepping to life insurance. Honey, I don't think we're, I'm going to die tomorrow. But we have life insurance on you and me. Because we could. I don't think that society's going to melt down tomorrow or we're definitely going to have a pandemic tomorrow. All right? Or some other major tragedy is going to hit. But it could. And the food that we put in our pantry is insurance for our family's future. The debt that we pay off today that doesn't burden us is insurance for our family's financial survival. The money that we save today is insurance for our family's survival. All right? That's what this is. It's really about creating an insurance policy where you self-insure yourself against events that nobody would ever insure you for with a policy. All right? The next thing you need to do is ask, what would we do if? Well, honey, I just, what do you think? What would we do if there was a flu pandemic and they told us, hey, stay in your homes, and two weeks went by, and then they said, you still have to stay there. You can't leave. And they say, I would leave anyway. Say, well, what would you do if you left and then you brought back this, this illness to our family because, or they arrested you and you weren't here to take care of us? And then listen. All right? Listen to their answers. You should do a minimal amount of talking here. All right? This discussion should be more them talking to you. Good, effective conversationalists know how to get the other side engaged in, into the discussion where they're telling you. All right? what they think and feel, what matters to them, so you can address those concerns. All right? If you do more than 30% of the talking in a conversation like this, you've done it wrong. They should be doing 70, you should be doing 30, or it should be even less. All right? So ask. So yeah, that kind of leads to my next rule. Talk a little and get them talking. So you talk a little bit about something and get them to talk to you about it. Explain something and say, what do you think about that? Right? And when they say, this is what I think, da 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 I'd say, really? Well, what if you had this? Now what do you think? Right? Your, your, your part of the conversation is very little. Let them lead the conversation because you already know what you are concerned with. You'll get there together, but you need to find out what they're concerned with, how informed they are, and you need to open their eyes. And people will convince themselves of something far easier than you will convince them of something. So let them do the talking, and they'll, this is the truth. Right? This is reality that we're talking about here. Debt is cancer. It is slavery. All right? Our nation has had its liberties eroded. We do have serious economic threats. We do have serious biological threats. All right? Those are real. And the truth speaks for itself when you allow it to shine. So when you start bringing these things up, if you let your partner analyze them and look at them and trust in them, you love them enough to marry them or to have them be part of your life, then love them enough to trust them, to be able to discern the truth for themselves and give them the time they need to take it in. You probably didn't take it in in one conversation. Don't expect them to either. All right? And when you're listening to them, listen to them as though your life depended on it. Really listen. Don't be thinking about the next thing you're going to say. Listen to every word until they stop talking. And listen as your life depends on it because someday it might. All right? I'm going to leave it at that. Really, really listen to your partner. And then, I guess the last thing I can suggest, and it is a little self-serving, but share my show with them. Have them listen to different episodes and maybe have them listen to this episode. And as I close today's show, I want to say this to you. If your spouse asked you to listen to today's show, it means that they love you, 
They care about you. They're concerned about themselves. They're concerned about you. They're concerned about your family. And they're concerned about staying together. They're concerned about creating a lifestyle where they can spend more time with you and be with you. They're concerned about making sure that they can always fulfill their pledge to serve you in their marriage. And that you can always fulfill your pledge to return that servitude back to them. They want to make sure that they will always be there for you. And that if they're not, you will be okay without them if something terrible happens. That you'll know what to do. That you'll know how to handle the situation. They're concerned that they want your family unit to stay together. A broken family is a terrible thing. I speak from personal experience on that. They don't want that for you. They want you to care enough to learn about the things that are really a threat to you, to our nation, and to your family, and to take the steps that will fulfill our show credo of living the life you want if times get tough or even if they don't. They brought this to you because they care. And my uh, statement to you is now that they've done that, don't turn them away. Take that extra step. Figure out what you can do. Take baby steps together and build a better life for yourself. This has been Jack Spirico with the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.